Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church Online. It's such an honor to have you tuning in with us for week three of our series, Love First. And today I want to talk about motives. Motives are, motives are tricky, right? They're, they're this unseen yet tangible thing that you and I wrestle with. And, and our problem is that we often are, are, are questioning the motives of others, but we rarely question our own. Like we just assume our motives are, you know, on point. Whereas, you know, if you're a first-time guest, for example, tuning in right now, you're probably wondering, you're like, you're questioning my motives. You're like, or, or you're like, okay, can I, can I really trust this guy? And, and like, is there anything that's coming out of his mouth that I can actually trust? And the answer is No. No, you can't. I, I'm joking, right? Like, but, but the reality is we constantly are evaluating motives, and then also we have our motives playing into a ton of different decisions. And so uh, this week I was in our staff meeting, and um, we were kind of running through the calendar, and I was like, hey, get, uh, this week, guys, don't forget, I'm going to be introducing our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And all of our staff were like, come again? Well, what are we doing? I'm like, you know, the 21 days of prayer and fasting that we're going to be doing that I've been talking about. They're like... We have no idea what you're talking about. And so apparently I've had this whole conversation playing out in my head since like October of this fast and prayer that we're going to start doing uh, starting tomorrow. But then our staff was like, man, we, we have no idea what you're talking about. And so that kind of fast forwarded into a lot of communication this week to make sure that we're extra clear. And so hopefully you've heard about it. If you haven't, surprise, tomorrow we're starting uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting that we're inviting you into. But after our staff meeting... I sat down with uh, one of our guys, his name is Seth, and we were just talking about it. And he said, hey, the reason that like a heads up um, is important and, and the reason that th- this is valuable in the future um, is because I, I want to have the right buy-in. He said, I, I don't want to fast just because you tell me to. Like, like, I'll do it because you're telling me to, but then my motives are going to be mixed up and, and I won't do it for the right reasons and then it won't have the same results. And I was like, oh, man, that's like a... That's a really good point, like to have, to have your own buy-in, to understand the why behind it, to want to do it, that, it, that the invitation is compelling rather than it being a, a burden. And, and that was just one of those motive conversations that's been stirring in my mind all week. I'm like, man, motives matter, right? I mean, I mean think about it. Motives matter in every area of our lives. And, and especially like when it comes to following Jesus, like let's talk about motives for a second. I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey, but motives play a huge part when it comes to... Uh, our understanding of what it means to follow Jesus and, and, and uh, even our engagement in it. So, for example, some of you, some of you have been trying to follow Jesus with the wrong motives for quite some time, and it's like killing you. It's burying you. You're exhausted and you're burnt out, and it's because you have a mixed up motive, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. Some of you, some of you have walked away from faith or, or stayed away from faith because uh, um, the, the motives that, that you've seen or that have been presented, they just weren't compelling. They didn't keep you. They weren't sticky. There was nothing that was like, man, that's, that's what I want. And some of you, you stayed away completely because uh, the, the entire picture, uh, the, the motive behind faith and following Jesus has just been undesirable. And I'd like to propose that I think um, if you're in any of those categories where you're getting burnt out or it just seems uncompelling, I, I think you probably have been exposed to the wrong motives. Because just quite honestly, when you get a taste of like 
the, the, the real motives, what Jesus invites us into, guys, they're so good. It just keeps you coming back for more. I mean, I mean it is so good. So we got, we got to evaluate the motives. So let me ask you a question just to help us kind of kick it off. Um, when, when you think about following Jesus, what are the first three words that come to mind? If we're just going to throw them out there, write them on paper, whatever you're going to do, put it in the chat. What are the first three words that come to mind when you think about following Jesus? Jesus said in Matthew 11, let me show you what Jesus, let me give you three words from Jesus. Let's see if they line up with your, your first definition, okay? Jesus said, come to me. There's the invitation. All of you, who's all? That's all, in case you're wondering, okay, who we're talking about. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest. So there's some people walking around right now, they're following Jesus, and their whole life is weary and heavy burdens. And Jesus said, hey, you want to get rid of that stuff, and you want to follow me for real? You know what you're going to get if you follow me? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. That yoke is like, like what you put an oxen in, right? Like two oxen would, would carry a load together. Jesus said, hey, let, let me shoulder this life with you. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find what? Rest for your soul. How many of you guys could use some rest for your soul? Like, man, I could use some rest. Some of you have been following Jesus, and there's nothing about your life that screams rest, <laughs> My yoke, Jesus said, he said, man, you, you show this life with me. You take this journey with me. My yoke is what? It's easy to bear. And the burden I give you, what is it? It's light. Look at the three words. Rest, easy, light. What are the three words you would have picked? You see, for me, if, if you were to like look at my life a couple of years ago, I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story, but if you would have backtracked maybe a decade ago to me following Jesus, it would have been anything but those three words. It would have been work, hard, burden, <laughs> exhausted. I mean, we would have had some words, but it wouldn't have been rest, easy, and light. Now, some of you, right, this is your experience with Jesus. Some of you, man, anytime you get to talk about it, you're like, absolutely, rest, easy, light. I mean, that is my relationship with Jesus. That's awesome. Way to go, you. But that's not for everybody, right? Because some people, we get to this, and you would say, man, that doesn't come even close to my experience. And some of you, man, you're like me to where maybe you started out here. Maybe the invitation, the, the motive was originally compelling. And then somewhere along the way, the motives got crossed and, and the things got to get mixed. And it was like, it was Jesus plus a bunch of other stuff. You're like, hey, Jesus, I'm going to shoulder this life with you. And all of a sudden you started piling on the baggage. You started piling on the performance and all these things that uh, uh, you were adding to following Jesus. Here's where Henry Blackaby comes in. Here's what he says. And I think this really speaks to our Western struggle of identity and activity. He said this, we are so activity-oriented that we assume that we are saved for a task to perform rather than for a relationship to enjoy. We are so activity-oriented that we assume that we're invited into a relationship with Jesus through faith, faith for a task to perform. What I'm going to do for Jesus rather than for a relationship to enjoy. And, and guys, th this was some of my story. That there was a period of time where, where it started out with this incredible invitation. Jesus changed everything. I mean, his love was so amazing. And then I started to like add all of this activity for Jesus to my relationship with him. And it started to just 
get messy and, and, and a burden and, 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 and it was affecting other people. And there, I mean, there's a season of my life where, where the motives were really messed up. And I carry a lot of regret from that season uh, as far as what I just did personally. And there was something that happened in my soul a couple of years ago that I want to share with you. Um, our sending church is Hope Church in Las Vegas. And, and the pastor there, his name is Vance Pittman. And, and I remember Vance being the first one to ever articulate this invitation from Jesus. It was like something, it just set me free. It set so deep down inside my soul that it shifted everything. And Vance said this in, in multiple ways, but he said this specifically. He said that the primary call on my life as a Jesus follower, the primary invitation for me and for you when it comes to following Jesus is not to do something for Jesus but rather to be with Jesus. And I was like, what? Because all of my life, I was so grateful for what Jesus had done for me. I mean, he had done amazing things and great things. And so then I felt like the natural byproduct was I needed to do great things for God. And and there was like good motive and and good desire in there, but it was mixed up and and getting messed up. And and you and I know that good intentions uh, don't get us to where we want to go. And so with all the good intentions in the world, there was something wrong. And so I'll be transparent. When when, when God called Danielle and I to Boulder, man, we were excited and we're also scared out of our mind. But there was this thing inside of me that said, man, I'm going to move to Boulder, Colorado, and I'm going to do something great for God. He's calling me out there. I'm going to do something great for him. And then through Vance and through Hope Church and through other mentors in my life, God started to shift that reality in my mind and my heart. And I'm so grateful that he did because then I realized that God didn't move me to Boulder to to do something great for him. God moved me to Boulder to be a part of something great that he was already doing. And there's so much peace and freedom in that invitation. He just invited me and my family to be with him in Boulder, Colorado, and to be a part of what he was already doing. And it's awesome, man. Since, since these things have begun to shift, we are so grateful to be sitting in this reality. And, and it reminds me of this. When I was younger, uh, like probably in high school, uh, we were in this old fishing boat. Like no motor or anything like that, just a couple of wooden paddles. And we uh, uh, paddled out in the middle of the lake, no wind. It was really chill. We had our fishing poles. We're fishing. And um, all of a sudden, like about an hour into it, the wind just picks up like crazy. And so we start to drift. We don't have an anchor or anything. So we're like, hey, we should probably paddle back in so we don't you know, end up somewhere we don't want to be. And so we get our, our four paddles in the water. And all four of us, I mean, man, we are just paddling with everything we've got trying to get back to shore. And so some people, they listen, some of you, you, you're living for Jesus or you started following Jesus and it's just this hard grind of activity and I'm living for Jesus. And, and, and man, I, I, I was thinking while I was in the water, you know, it would have been amazing instead of paddling hard and working against the wind, if I just had a sailboat... <laughs> I could work with the wind, right? Like, like the wind could be my companion, companion instead of working against it. And the, and the invitation to follow Jesus and the invitation into what God is doing, that's exactly what it's like, right? God's already doing things. There's an activity of God all around us where you live, work, and play in your family, in your neighborhood, in Boulder, in the West, in the world. I mean, God is doing all kinds of amazing things. And it's like the wind blowing all over the place. And our job, you know what our job is? 
just to set our sails, to catch the wind, to be a part of this amazing ride. That's the invitation. Not to work against it, not to sit in the water wondering why we're not going anywhere because our sails are down. Our job is to set our sails and join God in what he is already doing. And that, my friends, is where the adventure of a lifetime sets in. And so God is constantly reminding me of this reality. And last week I, I, I introduced or, or I, I, I repeated, if you will, the big goal of following Jesus. Like, what's the goal of following Jesus. It's to know God. Right? That, that's the invitation. And more than knowing God, it's not about a destination, but it's about a relationship. The, the destination is part of the package, but, but it's about the relationship now and forever. That's the invitation. And so then we talked about it. If the overall goal of following Jesus is to know God, then what's the daily goal? Like, like what, are we, what are we working toward? And the answer is to spend time with God daily. And so today, I just want to talk about it. Like, man, what does it look like to spend time with God? And listen, for you, if you get stuck in your mind, like, when you hear the word spend time with God, like, maybe your mind goes to this quiet time. There's 15 minutes of, like, opening your Bible, a journal, a prayer or something, and it's just this quiet time in the morning or in the evening that you have with God. That's fine. That's really important to have that, that separate, quiet space with God. But that's not the only invitation into relationship that we have. We're invited into relationship that is activity throughout the day with God, not just in our quiet time, but in every moment of every day. Like we're not putting God in a box. We're setting our sails, right? And, and we're just diving into this vastness that is God's activity in the world around us. So we're invited into something that I, I really want to clarify today. Let's talk about those motives. And so let me give you one big motive statement from Jesus, because I think, man, again, motive matters. And if we get the motives wrong, man, we really start to miss it. So check this out, John 14. John 14, Jesus says this. This is so helpful. One big motive statement. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, I've read this verse, I feel like, a thousand times, and I don't know if you're familiar with it, but for me, what I used to hear when I was engaging in this verse is, if you love me, you better keep my commandments. It, it was performance-based. It was activity-based. It was, if you love me, you better go to church. You better read the Bible. You better pray. You better X, Y, and Z. If you love me, you better. And, and, and the idea was that I've got to show God through my activity, through my performance, how much I love him. The problem is that that's not what Jesus is saying. This is just how I, I was hearing it for a long time. And then God started to shift something in my mind to help me realize that my motives were mixed up. Check it out. What's the reality here? What's the focus? What's the motive? If you love me, focus on what? Love. Motive on what? Love. If you love me, what happens? The byproduct, the overflow, the fruit from that reality. If you love me, then you will keep my commands. Do you see it? You see the difference? Rather than the focus on activity, the focus on performance, the focus on obedience, the emphasis is on love. The motive is love. If I love him, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to obey him. I'm going to keep his commands. Which, by the way, if you're going to simplify it, it's loving God and people. Right? It's not this list of do's and don'ts. It, it, you might want to note that Jesus didn't give us a don't list. He didn't give us a don't list. He invited us into a path and a journey with him to love God and people. And so if love is the focus, if love is the motive, then it produces in us what we can't produce for ourselves. And that is obedience. 
That's the fruit of our lives, to follow Jesus, that Jesus is doing in and through us what we can't do for ourselves. Now, let's, let's evaluate motives from both, both sides because this is really important that we understand the paradigm, right? That if we flip this verse, what is Jesus saying? If there's an area that I struggle with, if there's a sin that I struggle with, you might not like that word, but the idea of sin is simply uh, um, choosing to be uh, uh, engaging in or active in something that God says is not good for me or others, right? So if it's harmful to me, harmful, harmful to others, it's dishonoring to God, right? That, that's going to be called sin, okay? We can, you can call it whatever you want. You struggle. But everybody's got to struggle, right? I mean, I mean, you've got struggles relationally and emotionally and physically and financially and spiritually. I mean, you're struggling in all kinds of areas, right? So we're not, we're not just absent of struggle. Our lives are not perfect. And if you and I have a struggle in our lives... And we continue to try and try and try, and we can't get it together. Jesus is telling us that the struggle is not an obedience problem. It's not an activity problem. It's not a try harder, you're not trying hard enough performance problem. What is it? It's not an obedience problem. It's an intimacy problem that I have. That the reason I struggle is born out of a struggle in my relationship with God. Let me say it another way. This might offend you a little bit, but that's okay. What Jesus is saying is when I struggle, I love the struggle more than I love God. That's the opposite of what Jesus is telling us. And some of you are like, how dare you? I don't love the struggle more than I love God. Right? No, listen, listen. First of all, the words of Jesus, not me, so you can take it up with him. Secondly, to love the struggle more than you love God doesn't mean you don't love God at all. It means that when you and I struggle, we are choosing to love that more than we love God. And for you and I, let me just lay it out for you. Because I think if we miss the motive conversation, like I said earlier, we miss it in a big, big way. So let me show you a map, okay? Let's start with sin, or let's start with struggle, if you like that word better, okay? Let's start with our struggles, and let's start with our sin. Why do we sin? Jesus just told us, right? If we love him... There's obedience. So the byproduct, the opposite, when there's a struggle, then it's a lack of love. So we, we sin. Why? Because we don't love God. Now, before you just freak out and bail out, hear me out. Why don't we love him more? We don't love him because we don't know him. Listen, Danielle and I have been married for 10 years, okay? Um, and, and it's amazing. Like 10 years ago, October 2nd, 2010, I looked at her in the eyes and I said, I love you. With everything in me, I'm committing my life to you. We're going to do life together. And I was head over heels in love with Danielle. But you know what? Ten years later, I love Danielle today like I could have never loved her in that moment. Because I know her today like I could have never known her in that moment. We don't love God because we don't know God. The more we know God, that love grows. Why don't, why don't we know God? This is where we're going. We don't know God because we don't spend time with God. Think about it. So on that day when I was asking Danielle to marry me, I could have done something like this. Hey, babe, I want you to marry me. I'm going to give my life to you, and here's how our relationship's going to work. Every Sunday, I'm going to come see you hour, hour and a half, I'm going to come and spend time with you. It's going to be great. As long as the weather's nice. Or like, you know, there's nothing important going on or an important football game. I mean, most, most of the time, on Sundays, I'm going to come see you and we're going to spend time together. It's going to be great every Sunday. 
you know what? Uh, uh, probably a couple times a year, uh, uh, I'm going to get together with, with a group of people um, on a weeknight, and, and we're going to invite you. We're just going to get together and, and hang out together in, in our house once a week on a night and talk about you. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. So Sundays, and then like, you know, an evening during the week, we're going we're gonna to spend time together. Outside of that, you know, I, I don't, we probably won't see each other a lot, but our marriage is going to be, it's going to be awesome, okay? Sundays, weeknight, it's going to be great. Um, and outside of that, though, you probably won't hear from me. Um, it, Unless I need something. So, babe, don't, don't, because if I need something, I'm going to let you know. Don't worry, I'm going to let you know. And in fact, I, I probably, if I need something, I'm, I'm not just going to let you know, but I'm going to let all your friends know so they can text you about my need as well. So we can all, you know, I just want to really let you know that I have, you know, some needs. And, and you listen to that, and you know, there's no one in their right mind on the planet that would ever say yes to a proposal like that, right? Because that's ridiculous. Yet simultaneously, as hilarious and silly as that is, that's how a lot of people treat their relationship with God. Hey, God, I'm going to come see you once a week. Might get, get in a city group and talk about you once a week. But outside of that, you know, you're not really going to hear from me unless I need something. Then you know, we, might, we might go from there. So we don't spend time with God. You and I know that if you want to develop a relationship, it's spelled T-I-M-E. It's time. It's time that develops a relationship. So why don't we spend time with God? Because we don't see the need. We don't see the need. Let me ask you a question. How many of you believe that spending time with God has the potential to benefit your life? You can type it in the, in the chat or where, you know, if you're listening on the podcast or wherever you are, you can just say it out loud in your car. <laughs> I believe it, right? Whatever it is for you. How many of you believe that spending time with God is helpful? It, like, it has the potential to be- benefit your life. Cool, right? Think about that. Now, let me ask you a different way. You don't have to answer this one out loud. But, but how many of you believe that spending time with God is absolutely a necessity? Think about it. And then, and then look at your life. Because even if you want to answer yes to that question, the reality is the way that we live says it's not a necessity. What we would say is we believe it's a really, 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 really good option to spend time with God. And the idea is this, like, I, I want to spend time with God, and it makes my life better, but you know what? I can make it today without God. Like, I, I got busy, and I woke up late. I, I, can, I can do it today without God, or I can make it this week without God. That's how you and I live when it comes to our relationship. But John 15, Jesus said in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing, no thing. You know what I, I used to hear when I would read that verse? Apart from me, you can't do big things, significant things, great things. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is that apart from him, as a follower of Jesus, I will fail as a husband, as a father, as a neighbor, as a friend, as a pastor. In every cat, I will fail if I'm not with Jesus. In the same way that you, there's a necessity that you breathe every day. Jesus is saying, man, God, like time with God is like the breath in your lungs. You need it. You need it. So why, why don't we see the need? The answer is pride. And you probably know this, right? You think about it for a second. Pride very simply says, God, I don't need you. I don't need you. And even, even if you would never say that out loud, every day that you get up and you, you, you choose to live your life without, without uh, uh, spending time with God and inviting him into that activity, every day that you and I live independently of God, we are saying, 
I don't need you. And every day that you and I go without him, we are setting ourselves up for failure. So then you got to ask that question, well, like, what, what do we do about it? Like, because maybe, maybe we start, maybe you're realizing, man, my motive has been wrong. I've, I've been trying to do for God, getting frustrated, and so I just kind of go down this spiral. What do I do? Check out the words of Jesus' brother. This is so, so very helpful in James chapter 4. The brother of Jesus said this, and God gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Pride says, I can do it on my own. I don't need you. And, and, and James tells us that God opposes, that, that word oppose, it means to stiff arm, okay? Like, like God opposes the proud. That when you and I say, God, I don't need you, he says, okay, go for it. Do it on your own. And when you and I start to struggle and we start to fail and we get frustrated, what do we do? God, I need help. I need you. And what does he, what does he do? He responds by giving grace to the humble. Humility is very simply saying, God, I need you. And what I love about this word is that James says he gives it generously. This is where we get the word mega. Like God gives mega grace. God gives buckets of grace. God, I'm sorry, grace is God doing for, in, and through you and I what we could not do on our own. The second that you and I respond in humility and say, God, I need you, we get buckets of grace. That's how good he is. So let's flip the script, okay? Let's, let's flip the motive cycle. Let's start with humility. Let's just say that we start with the reality. God, I need you. What happens? When I start with humility, it's just re realizing I see the need. I see the need that, 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 that I need God. But what happens when I see that need? The motive actually pushes me to spend time with God. The proper, he loves me. I need him. So what do I do? I spend time with him. What happens when I spend time with God? You know what happens when I spend time with God? I begin to know God more. What happens when I get to know God more? I begin to love God more. And what happens when I love God more? Bam. Obedience. Fruit. The overflow. I follow him. Isn't that amazing? When the motive is right, it changes everything. So what's the invitation from Jesus? Not to do stuff for him. It's to be with him because he knows the more I know him, the more I love him. And the more I know him, and the more I love him. And the more I love him, the more I follow him because I trust him. I'm going to invite Daniel to come. And as Daniel comes, I want you to just reflect for a moment with me on this big idea. And it's this, I introduced this last week, but I want you to get back to this central idea that everything that Jesus desires to do through you and I, everything he desires to do through you, he will accomplish through the overflow of his relationship with you. So this week, I'm inviting you to join me in 21 days of fasting and prayer. And, and we're handing out in person a card that looks like this. We'd love to email this to you. You can use that connection card and let us know. We'd love to get this information to you on, on just some, some ideas for fasting. But when you and I fast, what we're doing is we're giving up things that we love, right? Like I love coffee, so I, let's just say I fast from coffee for the next 21 days. What I'm doing is making a very public and external declaration 
that as I reject coffee, I am causing my body to want something, and then I'm actually going to use that want inside of me to say, you know what? I want God more. I need God more than I need coffee. Fasting is an opportunity to give up what we love so that we can focus on what we love even more. So I want to invite you to think about what you're going to be fasting from over the next 21 days. And also, we have a companion book that we're going to be using, 21 Days of Breakthrough Prayer, that we would love to to either get you the link for so you can order it yourself or or get you a copy. If you can pick it up, you can use the connection card on that digital one and let us know so we can, you can uh, shoot us an email if you want so we can get you these resources. But man, over the next 21 days, we're going to lean in and say, God, I need you with the expectation that he's going to show up in the overflow, that he's going to do in and through us what we can never do for ourselves. Now, now here's the deal. Here's the prayer I want you to focus on starting today. God, I can't. That's what humility says. I can't, but you can. We just think about where this applies in your life. Humility says, God, I can't. But you can in my marriage. You can in my mental health. You can in my emotions. You can in my finances. Whatever it is, God, I can't. Can I be honest with you? There's going to be days that you are fighting to spend time with God this week. And you're going to show up and you're going to say, God, I need you. But, but the reality on the inside is not only God, it might not be just that I can't. But God, I don't even want to be here. There's going to be mornings where, God, I don't want to be here, but I know I still need you. God, I can't. I can't even show up consistently, but you can. God, do in and through me what I can't do for myself. Now listen, let let me uh, just give you some things to chew on as you reflect on that prayer. Some of you, some of you need to stop trying to live the Christian life. And you need to surrender your life to Jesus so that he can live in and through you. Some of you, for the first time today, you need to put your faith in Jesus. You need to say out loud, Jesus, I trust you. I believe that you are who you said you are. I believe you can do in my life what you said you would do. Listen, I know I fall short. I know I don't have it all together, and I need you. And you can pray this with me. Jesus, thank you for dying for me and rising again to give me new life. I give my life to you today. Not to perform for you or to be with you. I'm sorry, not to perform for you, but to be with you. If you would pray that prayer with me for the first time, you can have confidence today that you can have a relationship with God be made completely new and right with God starting today. Some of you, you need to take a next step and you need to choose to be baptized. Baptism is our external declaration of what Jesus has already done on the inside. It is celebrating externally that Jesus has already saved me inside. Baptism is an external demonstration of humility. Some of you have trusted in Jesus or you did it for the first time today. And when you take that step of baptism, It is celebrating externally in humility. God, I need you. And I'm celebrating that you saved me and set me free. And I need you today and every day. And some of you guys, listen, some of you need to to join community. Some of you need to take that step. God is inviting you. You've been hesitant to do it. God is saying, hey, listen, you want to get to know me? One of the ways you do that is by getting to know my family, by getting in a city group, coming to weekend gatherings or whatever it might be. 
You take a step this week. God, I can't, but you can. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for inviting us to be with you. As we're with you, would you help us to see what you're doing in our life, around our lives, what you want to do through our lives? Would you make us aware of your activity around us and in us? God, could we just set our sails to be a part of what you're doing? Thank you for loving us and inviting us into relationship with you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.